Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Man, it feels really good to be back doing um, what we're called to do, right? Going out, preaching the gospel in all the world. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. You know, um, We've been talking a little bit about um, Guatemala and the opportunity that we have to go to Guatemala. Um, we've about arrived at a date. I'm waiting on one more thing to be able to announce that. But if you would like to go to Guatemala, this is going to be in, um, what did I tell you, Albert, early November? It's going to be in early November. And if it's something that is on your heart, talk to me. Um, let's get you plugged in. Um, this trip is going to be, it's not like the Philippines where you're going to be gone two weeks or something like that. A lot of people don't realize Guatemala is only a three-hour flight from Dallas. So um, it, it's actually pretty quick um, to get there. Um, it's going to be like a Thursday to a Monday, and so it's not a lot of time to take off work. Um, if you would say, you know what, I'm interested, but November's a bad time for me, or if you would say, that's just maybe a little short notice for me, but I do want to go. We're planning another trip for the spring, um, but we want to get there. We need to, we need to get there. We need to regroup a little bit and, and, and get out and, and go and uh, honestly go and check on some things and reconnect with some people and, and things like that. We've stayed connected with John and Tracy Batchelor, our missionaries there in Guatemala, and we've stayed connected with um, Pastor Alvaro and Ondina. Some of you don't know, Word of Life has a church in Guatemala City. It's um, Palabra en Acción, and it's there in Guatemala City. Um, Pastor Alvaro and Pastor Ondina, and they're under our covering. We support them on a monthly basis um, with your giving. And so we keep that church going and vibrant in Guatemala City um, just by the fact that you're obedient to give and you're generous. And so all of those things are making a difference literally all over the world um, through Word of Life and through the things that God has given us opportunity to do. Um, next week, we're going to talk extensively about Mad Love Week. I know that we've been mentioning it. We've been throwing it out there. We're going to talk extensively and give you about a month um, to, to begin to plan and to hone in what you're going to do. We're going to have specific themes for specific days, but I will say this, just like Tiffany said, this is not only what we're doing corporately, but also what God has placed on your heart individually. I know that in, in times past, we've had um, people in the church during Mad Love Week that God's moved on their heart to do an outreach to this group or to that group or whatever it may be. And if you need help with that, 
Come and let us know and say, hey, I've got this on my heart, but I'm not really sure how to do it or whatever it may be. And then that's what we're here to do. The Bible tells us that we're here to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, amen? And so that's what that is. We're equipping you to go out and to do what God's called you to do. And it's phenomenal when that happens, amen? Praise God. Well, we are talking about grace, and grace is the nature of God. If you want to follow along or try to follow along with my notes, then you can scan the QR code that's right here. You're going to see my notes are quite a bit different than Pastor Daniel's. Um, His are very organized, um, very, you know, methodical. My notes... um, I have a lot of thoughts in there that I may or may not say. I have a lot of chicken scratch and I have a, that you may or may not be able to read. And um, I've got a lot of colors um, because colors are pretty on my iPad. So um, anyway, if you would like to try and follow along, then you're more than welcome to download that and, and to do that. Let's open in prayer. Father God, we give you thanks today for your goodness and for your love. God, we thank you today that you've chosen us for something bigger than us. God, I thank you that your grace today is extended to us, and that is all because of Jesus. So we thank you today that you have given us your Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us, to reveal Jesus to us, to guide us into all truth. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you today to do your work in our hearts and reveal truth to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm gonna give just a little overview of grace. Um, I, I asked God several weeks ago as I knew that I was going to be speaking on the subject of grace. I said, God, give me something. What do you want me to speak on on the subject of grace that maybe hasn't been brought out or maybe hasn't been at the forefront. We talk about grace every single week at this church. Amen? It's a foundation of everything that we do. We talk about the love of God. We talk about grace. But how can we talk about grace? What can I bring that would add to the conversation that would spark a fire in your heart, that would bring you to a place that's furthering yourself in the knowledge of God? The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter two and and verse eight and nine, it says, and I don't think this one's up there, but most of the scriptures are up there today. But Ephesians two, eight, nine, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Pastor Daniel has talked a lot about how we grew up in, in the faith movement and how the faith movement has established a foundation for what we do and, and who we are. And so we would say that, that as we go in our Christian walk, that faith is paramount. It's my faith. It's I believe. I believe the word of God. I speak the word of God. As I believe the word of God and I speak the word of God, then my words begin to create for me and they begin to set on fire the course of nature in front of me and create my path and I can walk forward according to my faith. Amen? Praise God, all of that is so, so true. But the place where I began to struggle and the way that I came into the message of grace, and this is very 
interesting. Pastor talks about it all the time, but I don't get to talk about my side very often, that as he was journeying to the message of grace, I was also journeying to the message of grace. We hadn't had this conversation. And what challenged me was when I began to look at the message of faith, where it, where it talks about the words of our mouth and our words creating, and then the book of James tells us that if we doubt in our heart, that we shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. And what I had always understood in the faith message, what I had always believed, what I had always thought, was that if I'm going through a journey, if I'm going through a challenge, if I'm going through a struggle, I've gotta speak the word. And if I doubt at any moment, then I'm in sin. And if I'm in sin, then I'm not gonna receive from God. And what that breeds in our lives is a sense of, of unworthiness. What that breeds in our life is a sense of not being able to quite measure up to where we need to go. And then if we don't see the results that we expect to see in our life, we begin to blame either ourselves that I didn't have enough faith or we begin to blame God. And I don't think either one of those things are the nature of our Father. And so this was my own form, and maybe you've heard this buzzword before, deconstruction. This was my own form of deconstruction. But I believe if you're deconstructing, but you have no plan to reconstruct, then all you're doing is destroying. Amen? So I don't think there's anything wrong with deconstructing, just make sure that your ears are open to listen so that you can rebuild, amen? So I begin to break down some of those things that I had always understood, that I had always believed. I begin to break them down and say, well, why do I believe this? What it led me to is the message of grace because what I found out is yes, I've gotta have faith, but the faith that I've gotta have is faith in the finished work of Jesus. And if I have faith that Jesus paid it all, then that means that I can move forward and Jesus did the work for me. Amen? Praise God. My faith for today is that Jesus is enough. My faith for tomorrow is that Jesus is enough. What do I need to say out of my mouth? Jesus is enough. What do I need to speak? What do I need to stand on? What's the rock of revelation? It's that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he died on the cross for me, that he rose again, that he has accepted me in the beloved, and that today I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I believe. That's my faith. Because it's by grace that I have been saved through faith, not of me, not of myself, it's a gift of God, not of works. It's nothing that I did, it's nothing that I said, it's not the way that I acted, it's not the way that I fall short, and then it's not the way that I've obeyed. It's nothing that I did. Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace, you have been saved through faith. See, grace isn't just for the sinner, it's for the saint. I didn't say it's not for the sinner, but it's not just for the sinner. Grace is also for the saint. 
A lot of times we think, well, you can come as you are, right? I mean, have you said that or have you thought that? You've heard it right here. You can come as you are. I believe that in this place you can come as you are. But if you come as you are and God accepts you, why do we think that somewhere along the line we can't come as we are anymore? We have to be fake. Why do we think that at some point we can't have a struggle? Why do we think at some point we can't be honest about where we are? I don't believe that God can bless who you pretend to be. He can't heal you in your brokenness and your fakeness if you're putting on your church face every Sunday. I would rather have a church full of people that cuss a little bit than people that put on their church clothes and their church face and pretend everything's okay. Amen? Why don't we just come as we are? Why don't we just say grace is not only for the sinner, but it's also for the saint. I know that I'm a saint, but I know that I have a struggle that I need help in. I need grace. Amen? I need help. I need help. Grace empowers us to live victoriously. This is not my definition, but it's the best definition that I've heard of grace. And so write this down. Grace means this, the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and kindness of God. Now you're, you may be like, no, that, that's not what I heard. I heard that grace is this, or I heard that grace is that. Well, I think that every definition that I've ever heard of grace, it, it means these same things. If this speaks to you, write it down. If it doesn't, keep the one that you have, that's fine. But I believe this, grace is the unmerited, the unearned, the undeserved favor and kindness of God. A lot of times, have you, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, I'm just out here trying to keep my head above water? You ever heard that? Man, how you doing? I'm just out here trying to keep my head above, I'm just trying to keep the oars in the water. I'm just trying to keep on rowing, just a little bit at a time. I'm just trying to keep moving forward. I'm just trying to keep rowing. Grace is not about you continuing just to row. Grace is the fact that there's a boat and Jesus is rowing and you have a seat that's saved for you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. See, we can try and we can try and we can try, but we're gonna fail and we're gonna fail and we're gonna fail. How about we say, Jesus, you row the boat. Jesus, for lack of a better way to say it, you're all thinking it. You take the wheel, right? <laughs> you know you're all thinking it anyway. Jesus, Jesus. Grace didn't empower you to keep rowing. It gave you a seat in the boat. You don't have to work on your salvation. The work has already been done and you are saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in talking about faith and in talking about this, this idea that, that I've got to have perfection in my faith in order to receive anything from God, I want to challenge you with this. Faith is not, your faith is not what moves God. Sometimes we'll say, well, 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 faith moves God. And I don't know if you've heard that before, but I know that I was taught it for a very long time. Faith moves God. Your faith moves God. The Bible never says that. It says faith moves mountains, but it doesn't say faith moves God. 
Your faith is not what moves God. Jesus' obedience is what moved God. And that's already done. See, Jesus' obedience is what moves God. So what's the response of my faith? My faith has to believe that Jesus obeyed and that was enough. Amen? Faith is still an integral part of everything that we do, but I have to believe that Jesus is enough, that Jesus paid it all. My belief is that Jesus obeyed once and for all, and for the death that he died, I was baptized into his death, and I was baptized into his resurrection. And so as I live today, I live not as me, but I live the same as the resurrected Jesus because life is working in me, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, amen? Hallelujah, life is working in me. Faith in the fact that Jesus obeyed, and Jesus, through his obedience, moved God. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 14. We're gonna go back and forth to Ephesians chapter two today. It's not my title text. But we're gonna go back and forth to Ephesians chapter two and pretty much read the whole thing. But Ephesians 2, 14, it says, for he himself is our peace. Say, he is our peace. Notice it does not say he empowered you to have peace. He is our peace. Amen? He is our peace. Because he has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. The word enmity, it means a long history of hostility. See, we had a long history of hostility against the law, right? I mean, the law of Moses, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt have no other gods before me, on down the line. Keep the Sabbath. We've had a long history of enmity, of hostility against the law and the law of Moses and what we should do and what we shouldn't do and we fall short and we have consequences and all of those things. But Jesus made one both the law and you. And he broke down the wall of separation between you and God because you couldn't keep the law. And he broke down that wall of separation. That's why it says that he is our peace. Because he's the only way that we can have peace with God. I'm just trying to make my peace with God. You can't. Jesus made peace with God. Jesus made your peace with God. It says he broke down that wall, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body through what? The cross, thereby putting to death the hostility, the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. Look at that right there. He preached peace to those that were afar off and those who were near, amen? Both the sinner and the saint, because we all need grace. It says he preached peace to those who were afar off and those who were near, for through him 
we both have, what's that next word? What's that next word? You guys say it. Access. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We have access to the Father. See, that wasn't always the case. There wasn't always a way that we could reach God. There wasn't always a way without perfection. And so if you didn't have perfection, you couldn't go to God. But Jesus made a way so that you have access to the Father by his Spirit. Amen? Praise God. So the Scripture says this over and over again in the life of Jesus. People would come to Jesus. I want you to hang on to that word access. And I know that it feels like I'm kind of shifting gears here, but I want you to hang on to that word. In the Scripture over and over again, we see people come to Jesus and a phrase that is very commonly used in one form or another is, I know you can if you will. Jesus, if you're willing, I know you can make me well. Jesus, have mercy on me. Pleading with Jesus to heal them, to heal somebody else, to heal their, their, their son, to heal their daughter, to heal their, their servant, to, to, to run up and, and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. We see it over and over and over again. Jesus, please, please, please have mercy on me. Jesus, I know you can. I know you can do it. Will you? Will you? The Spirit of God spoke to me and said, my people are still coming and begging me. They're still coming and pleading with me. They're still coming. He said, he said, Jason, it breaks my heart that my sons and my daughters are coming and pleading with me for what belongs to them already. They're coming and they're pleading and they're begging. God, I, God I'll, I'll go to church every single week if you'll just do this for me. Right? God, I'll, I'll, I'll change my ways. God, I, I, I promise. I promise I'll go on a mission trip. God, I promise I'll do this. God, I promise I'll do that. But I'm desperate right now. And God, I need you so badly right now. God, please, please, please. I know you can. I know you can, but will you? Spirit of God said, that breaks my heart when my children don't understand what belongs to them. See, God's not angry by that. He's broken by that. He doesn't want you to feel like you're not welcome in the house. Today we're gonna talk about what's your position and being welcomed in the house. You didn't know that it was gonna be 20 minutes before I got to point one. It's gonna be a good day, you guys. What's your position? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. I woke up with this scripture as I was praying and seeking God about what he wanted me to bring on the message of grace. I woke up with this scripture in my heart. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So as I read that, man, I've, I've heard this verse for a long time. I've read it, I preached out of it. Jesus was rich and he became poor so that you could be rich. And, but I've never really paid attention to the fact that it says in those very first few words, for you know the grace, for you know the grace. So as I read this, as God quickened it to my heart and I read it, I was like, oh yeah, I know the grace. For you know the grace. Yeah, I know the grace. Let me ask you this. I don't want an answer. I just want you to think. What does, what does grace have to do with the rest of that verse? I didn't know. And maybe you're uh, much more of a theologian than I am, and you're like, oh, immediately I get this. But I didn't get it. So I'm going to tell you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know the grace. Jesus died in my place. He gave me what I didn't deserve. It's the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and kindness of God that is on my life. Ah, I know the grace. Yeah, I preach it all the time. I know the grace. That, oh, this is the grace. That he was rich. Awesome. Jesus was rich creator of the world, right? <laughs> the Bible says that God owns cattle on a thousand hills. He's got mansions, enough to build one for you and one for me, and streets of gold, and he owns it all, right? Okay, Jesus was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Okay, I get that. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Is this talking about monetary blessing? I don't believe it is. There's plenty in the Bible about monetary blessing. I don't think this is. And we've used it, and I've used it, preaching about finances. And I don't think that's what it's talking about at all. I believe it's talking about our mindset. I believe it's talking about our position. Because if many of us are going to God saying, God, if you will, God, please, please, if you will. How many of you in your house, your kids come to you and they say, mom, mom, I know, I know you can, that you can have dinner for me, but, but will you please? I'm starving. Please, please. I, 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 know, I know you can, but please have mercy on me. Please. I'm dying of starvation. I mean, sometimes your kids may think they're dying of starvation, but do they ever come and just beg you just for food? Maybe they're begging you for, for ice cream or something when they should be eating dinner, but do they ever just beg you for their basic needs? Just pleading with you. Why would our Father in heaven make us beg when we're in the house? Why would he make us plead when we're in the house? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because you were poor. You didn't have anything. You were without God. You were without hope in the world, is what the scripture says. But then God, who is rich in mercy, by which he loved us, he gave himself for us. If he gave himself for us, he was rich and he became poor so that you, through his poverty, have a place in the house now. 
Amen? You don't have to beg anymore. You don't have to plead anymore. You don't have to say, God, if you will, please. I know that you can. I know. I, 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 I've seen it before. In the Bible, I've seen it. Please, please, please. He said, it's right there for you. It's always been there for you. Take it. It's yours. You're in the house. It's yours. What does that have to do with grace? I was poor and I couldn't become rich. How did I become rich? Because Jesus humbled himself and he stood in my place and then he was resurrected and as he was resurrected, now I have been identified with him and I have been raised to life with him and today I stand in the house. I have a place in the house. You can't serve with effectiveness until you understand that you're rich. You cannot serve with effectiveness until you understand that you belong in the house. Kingdom work from a mentality of poor will always make you seem like a slave rather than a son. If we're serving God from a mentality of poor, that's where you say, God, I'll serve you if you'll do this for me. You feel like you have to have some leverage with God. We don't have to have leverage with God. You say, God, I need you. And so, I'll do this, I'll do that. The scripture tells us, I wish I would have put this scripture down, but the scripture tells us he has shown you what is good. He has shown you what is good. In this scripture, this story, the children of Israel had gone to God and they're like, we're sorry for what we have done and how do we make it up to you? We're gonna give you 10,000 goats. We're gonna give you 1,000 rams. We're gonna give you all of these things. And he said, no, 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 I've already shown you what is good. What do I require of you? Just do justly, just love mercy, just walk humbly with your God. That's all I require of you. I'm not asking for all of these things. See, when we serve from a place of poor, we serve as a slave. I'm doing this just so I can maybe get this, so I can maybe have a seat at the table, or so I can maybe have some crumbs from the table. God, I don't want to ask too much. It makes me cringe every time I see somebody say, I normally don't ask for anything, but I'm going to ask just for this one thing right now from God. God, you know that I normally don't ask for anything. Man, ask for the world. It's all yours. Don't be shy. Don't be hesitant. It's not a badge of honor to say, God, I'm building up equity here because I haven't been asking. It's like an insurance rebate is what we treat it like. I haven't used it, and so now I'm gonna try to cash it in. No, it's an unlimited resource that has been given to you because you're a child of God. You're a child of God. When you understand that you're rich and you recognize that you are identified with the cross, his wealth, his po his, through his poverty, you have become wealthy or you receive his riches. In Matthew chapter eight, verse five, we're gonna be here for a minute. It says, now when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, this word Capernaum 
It means a place of comfort. Jesus entered into Capernaum, or he entered into a place of comfort. When you think about comfort, what do you think about? Home, right? I mean, you don't go to a stranger's house, kick off your shoes, go to the fridge, get some stuff out, sit down in the recliner, change the channel on the TV, right? You've never been to this person's house before? No. What do you do? You're uncomfortable. You don't want to mess anything up, right? Maybe they have one of those plastic sleeves on their couch. Just kidding. So you go to somebody's house where you're comfortable, right? Your house, family's house. There's some family you're not comfortable at their house, right? But some places you're just comfortable. I know that there's a spot in my house that Hannah falls asleep in every time she comes over, about once a week. At this, it's Hannah's spot. Nobody sits there. Hannah's gonna lay down there. She's probably gonna cover herself up completely with the blanket, and she's out. Doesn't matter what time it is. She's comfortable, right? Jesus went to a place called Comfortable. Not because it was a place where you just get used to everything, but he went to a place where you were in the house. You knew you were welcome. You knew that you were home. Jesus went to a place called Capernaum. It says, and a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. Easy, right? It's a place where you're comfortable. Centurion came to him and he said, Jesus, Jesus, please, please, my servant is ill. Please come and heal him. Jesus says, all right, I'll go heal him. Isn't that how it works? We come to Jesus, we say, hey, I got a problem. Jesus says, done, easy. But then the centurion said this. He said, Lord, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. See, Jesus was in Capernaum, a place called Comfortable, because grace says you're welcome here, you're home here. The centurion didn't understand. And he came to Jesus and he said, please, 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 come and heal my servant. And Jesus says, of course, yeah, let's go heal him, it's done. And he says, no, 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 no. No, I, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. He came to Jesus as a servant and not as a son. Interesting, because if you know the story, you may be thinking, where the heck is he going with this? The centurion answered and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And then he says, oh, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say, one, come, and he comes. And my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled at his faith. He marveled at his faith. And he said to him, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And I say to you that many come from the east and the west, and they sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, look at this, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying here that many come, even the house that is chosen by God, they come and they sit at the feet, but they don't recognize what I've given them. They don't recognize what I've given them. Yeah, I'm gonna marvel at your faith because that is some great faith to understand that even where you didn't feel like you were comfortable, you still believed. Aren't you glad that Jesus meets us where we are? Amen? I think he was saying here that your faith is extraordinary to come and to ask something of me where you didn't even feel comfortable. But I want you to know that this is a place of comfort. And I'm not gonna turn you away, I'm gonna heal, because that's what I do. Even if you come to God today, and you say, God, I am not comfortable. God, I'm not sure if you're gonna do this or not, I know you can, but will you? Let's be real today. What's your position? What's your position? And maybe you would say, Pastor Jason, my position today is I'm just not sure. Okay. Jesus is here and he's meeting you where you are. Just like the centurion. He said, my servant is ill, but I know, I know that you can do it. I know that if you just speak the word, it's done. You, no, don't come to my house because I got some skeletons in my closet. Right? Don't come to my house because I'm not worthy. Don't come to my house because I'm not sure. There's some dirty things in there. There's some brokenness in there. There's some hurt in there. But I know that you can do it. All you gotta do is speak the word. Oh, that is some great faith. That is some great faith. But my son, that's not how I want you to be. That's not how I want you. There's a lot of people that come and they say the same thing and they sit down, but I'm like, no, no, no. You can have a place in the house. You can have a place in the house. He goes on, and Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, let it be done. And the servant was healed that same hour. I'm not criticizing the centurion at all, and I don't want you to think in any way that I think Jesus was either. Jesus was not criticizing the centurion. In fact, he said, you have some remarkable faith. I'm blown away by your faith. But I don't want you to have to live miracle to miracle to miracle. Whenever Tiffany was diagnosed with cancer several years ago, one thing that we determined is that we know that God is a miracle-working God and that miracles belong to us. But then one thing that we set out is we said, God, show us how to not get here again. Because I don't wanna live manna to manna to manna. That's not God's best for me. God's best for me is not living miracle to miracle. Miracle, everything's great, heartache, brokenness, fear, battle, miracle. That's not the cycle God's called us to. God's called us to the house. Jesus is meeting us where we're at. 
But he's saying there's also a better way. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. That's grace. That's grace. He could just say, no, no, no. No, that, that's not really how it works, man. You should have just come to me, and I want to go to your house, and if you're not letting me go to your house, eh, why don't you go clean up first? Right? Why don't you go clean up? Pick up your stuff. Fix those broken things. Clean the skeletons out of the closet. Then I'll go to your house. Then I'll heal. That's not what he said. He said, oh, you have some great faith that you can come to me and know that I'm the answer, that I'm the hope, that I am healing. But there's a better way too. So yes, absolutely, you're healed. But there's a better way. Jesus will meet you where you're at, but he finished the work so that you could live as a, as a child and not as a servant. The woman caught in the act of adultery, if you'll remember the story, and if you don't know it, please look it up. The woman caught in the act of adultery, she came to Jesus from a position of brokenness. What did Jesus do? Forgave her, right? Zacchaeus, he came to Jesus from a position of shame. What did Jesus do? He went to his house, he ate, right? Salvation came to the house that day. The woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus from a position of sickness, from a position of hurt, from a position of hopelessness, from a position of shame. What did Jesus do? He healed her. But then we look at Peter. Peter came to Jesus from a position of chosen. Peter was just as jacked up as everybody else, but he came from a position of chosen. He said, I know you're the Christ. I know you're the son of the living God. Jesus said, well, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven did, right? He said, you have a revelation that you're not, not a, a guest in the house, that you're not a servant in the house, that you're not a slave in the house, but you're a son in the house. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Peter says this as he's writing, and I want you to remember this. Peter was getting ready to die as he wrote this book. And Christians were being scattered all over the world. They barely had any communication with one another. They were being persecuted on the daily. And what I mean persecuted, they weren't just facing some heat on social media, they were like getting killed. And Peter writes this and doesn't even know who's going to read it, if it's going to be distributed or not. He writes this. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that we see consistently in Peter's writings, in John's writings, and in Paul's writings that you increase in the knowledge of Jesus. Why is that? Because the more you know about Jesus, the more you know about his grace. The more you know about Jesus, the more you know about the house. The more you know what you have access to. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, again, here's that word, the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which 
have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers, I love this, in the divine nature. You will be partakers in the divine nature. What's the nature of God? Grace. Grace is the nature of God. So you might be partakers in the divine nature. Everything here on out is a reflection of the fact that you're a partaker in the divine nature. And how do you become a partaker in the divine nature? Through the knowledge of him. All right, so we've established that baseline. It says, having escaped. That means to turn the other way, to flee from, to never look back, to run away. You have escaped corruption. You've ran from corruption. The corruption that is in the world. Let's go to the next one. The corruption that is in the world through lust. That word lust is not a, a dirty word or a sexual word. It just means desire, through desire. It says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now again, this may seem like it's something that we have to do, like this is on us, that, that we should add this to our faith and we need to work to do these things. But because we're a partaker in the divine nature, we have access to these things. See, this is faith. Those things can be added because you have partaken in the divine nature. That's grace. So it says, add to your faith virtue. And add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. So we can add on all of those things. Your faith alone is not enough, but because you have faith, you can add all of these things. And what do you have faith in? Again, I have faith in one thing. Jesus Christ died and rose again, and I've been identified with him. And so because I've been identified with him and I am a partaker in the divine nature of God, I can have access to all of those things, virtue and brotherly kindness and love and self-control. How many times have we said this when talking about the fruit of the Spirit? And many of these are the same. When we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, man, and actually in kids' class, they just finished a series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are not things that we need to strive to attain. They're things that belong to us because we are partakers in the divine nature of God. I don't have to work on self-control. I need to work on knowing Jesus because he is self-control in me, right? I don't have to work on patience. I don't have to work on goodness because goodness lives in me. Patience lives in me. Peace lives in me. Joy lives in me. Virtue, brotherly kindness, godliness, all of those things reside in me because I'm a partaker in the divine nature of God. And because of that, he's given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. Amen? Hallelujah. It says, for these things are yours. Or if these things are yours, it says, if these things are yours and they abound, 
then you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, add to your faith these things. If you add to your faith these things and recognize that these are the divine nature of God that you're a partaker of, then you know that they abound in you. You know that you're not unfruitful. You know that you produce what God's called you to produce. It says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not saying there, when he says you'll never stumble, he's not saying you'll never fall short or miss the mark. He's saying you're not gonna get off the path. You might trip along the way, but you just keep going because Jesus is in you, because his grace and his purpose is in you, because his divine nature is on the inside of you. And you just continue on along that way. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. If you're following along with my notes, I'm gonna, I may come to this last point, the second to last point next week. But I wanna close with this today. In Ephesians 1, 15 through 19, and you guys can go ahead and come up, the worship team. It says, therefore I also, Ephesians chapter one, verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. There's that word again, right? The knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. See, in Jesus, we've been given the inheritance as sons and daughters of God. We've been given an inheritance as sons and daughters of God. That means that blessing is ours. That means that peace is ours. That means that strength is ours. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to come from a position of poor. We come from a position of rich because he's made us rich. The Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this and I wanna prepare your hearts for next week. He spoke to me and he said, I don't hold my blessing as collateral. I don't hold my blessing as collateral. What that meant to me as soon as he said it, what happens when you, when you go and buy a car and you finance that car? Well, you sign that if I don't make payments on that car 
then that car is going to default to the bank that loaned me the money. The car is collateral. And if I don't fulfill my end of the agreement, then they're going to take the car back. But God spoke to me and he said, I don't hold my blessings as collateral. In other words, there are many, many Christians who feel like if they fall short, that God takes back blessing, healing, provision, joy, strength. Well, these things are on me because I've done this or because I've done that. God does not hold his blessing as collateral. Jesus paid in full and he signed it over to you. Amen? Next week, we're gonna talk about grace. <laughs> Newsflash. And we're wrapping up this series, The Nature of God. I believe that the nature of God is healing. And I wanted to bring this message today to lay a foundation of who God is and what he does. I want you to know that we don't have to beg God that it's already been done. Next week, we're gonna preach on healing from a grace perspective. And the Lord instructed me this. This is gonna be a hard one for me, I'm just telling you. And I'm not telling you, I, I, I hope, let me, let me back up and say this. I hope that this comes alive in you and that you come to this same conclusion. And I'm not saying that I'm further along or anything like that. I'm just saying this is what God has instructed me to do. He said, I want you to stop praying for people for healing. I want you to start praying for people for knowledge. And what I mean by that is when somebody says, I need, I need healing, my prayer for you is that you know that you're in the house. My prayer for you is to know that you have access. Some of you may say, well, I'm gonna stop texting him prayer for healing. No, I'm gonna pray for you. But the Lord instructed me to change the way I pray. Because healing was done on the cross when Jesus died and he rose again. We don't have to come and say, God, please, will you? God, please, will you? I wanna know that I have access because I'm in the house. Next week's message is gonna be powerful. So that's what we're gonna talk about. And then we are going to pray for those that need healing. And we're gonna lay hands. And I wanna build your expectation. 
Because I believe this, that in an instant, you can know. In an instant, you can know. I believe that the power of God and the anointing of God will be here. That being said, today, even though we haven't preached the message, if you're sick in your body, I don't want you to go another week and say, I just gotta get to next week. You don't have to suffer for a week. <laughs> we can do this now. So today, if you're sick in your body, I wanna give you the opportunity in an instant to be a partaker of the divine nature. Amen? Praise God. So if you're sick, I wanna invite you just to come up here. I'm gonna pray for you real quick. Real quick. Anybody at all? Praise God. I want to tell you a little quick story. I talked a few weeks ago about the man who was lame from birth and his friends took him to Jesus and tore off the roof and lowered him down, right? And Jesus healed the man. What Jesus said at first to him was your sins are forgiven you. And people were like, <gasps> you can't say that. And he was like, which one would you rather me say? Rise, take up your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven. Okay, fine, rise, take up your bed and walk. But when you know that your sins are forgiven and that you're a partaker in the divine nature, then you rise, take up your bed, and walk. When you know that you're a partaker in his nature and that you have access, then healing is yours. So today as I pray for you guys, I want you to receive it. I want you to thank God that you're a partaker in his divine nature. I want you to ask him to supernaturally teach you what you have access to in the spirit. And just like the centurion that came, I believe it's twofold. Healing is yours, and he wants to teach you so that you can grow. It's twofold. So I just want you to receive that today. It's not anything in my hands that's special or anything like that. The Bible shows us that as we lay on hands, it's symbolic of a transfer of power. And so God's power is flowing down. I just happen to be the person standing here today. It could be anyone. God's power is flowing through me to you to bring healing today. Praise God. Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, that healing belongs to us because we're partakers in the divine nature. And so I speak healing and I speak knowledge in the name of Jesus, supernatural in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray that healing is ours 
and because healing is ours, we have access. In Jesus' name. Healing come and knowledge of who Jesus is. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray now in Jesus' name. We thank you that we have access. We thank you that healing is ours. And today, I speak healing and I speak knowledge of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you. Just on my shoulder and my neck. Yes, sir. Jesus, we thank you that healing belongs to us through the cross, and we have been identified with the cross. And so we speak healing, and we speak knowledge of the divine nature of Jesus that we are partakers of in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We speak healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We are partakers in the divine nature of Jesus. I thank you that you have provided for us to be in the house, to be sons and daughters of God. We thank you for healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you would say today, Pastor Jason, I don't know Jesus. You keep talking about this Jesus guy. and Sounds pretty great. I want to know him. I want to invite you to know him today. The Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could be right with God. That means that you don't have to pay the price for your sin, but all these things that we've been talking about today, that we can be partakers in the divine nature of God, you have access to all of that through Jesus. That all happens by grace. And the faith that you have to have is that Jesus paid the price for you, and that's enough for you. And so if you've never received Jesus today and you want to, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm gonna ask everybody that's in here to pray it with us as a show of support to those who haven't. See, we're a family here. It's not about singling you out and making you feel awkward or anything like that. It's between you and God. And so say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.